Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And so I just didn't question anything for so long. But then when I saw these women walking around holding hands, I was like, but don't they know that, like, that's just, like, hormones? <laughs> it's just hormones, ladies. <laughs> just eat some protein, have a glass of water, go for a walk. You're not going to want to touch each other. Yes! This is You Made Me Queer, and I'm your host, Trevor Campbell. Congratulations on daylight savings time. This is a big deal for me in my house, in my mental home. Uh, I hope it is for you. Having an extra hour of sunlight is a sweet fantasy, I think. So what are you going to do with that extra hour of sunlight every day? Think about the possibility. 60 whole minutes in the sun. As for me... I have realized I am essentially like a plant and sometimes I just park myself outside and stare up at the sun and let that sweet uh, photosynthesis just work its way through my body. Again, and I do want to stress this and this will come up, I did stop taking science after grade 10 when I switched into the arts stream. So I don't know if a human body is capable of photosynthesis. I know it's not. I know it's not. It's fine. It's a bit, okay? But maybe it is. Has anyone ever actually proven that the human body is not capable of photosynthesis? Show me the documents. Please send the relevant academic papers to youmademequeer@gmail.com. I will have my uh, on-staff uh, grade 10 biologist and ecologist discuss them. I don't know what's happening. Also, big update I won the lottery this weekend. I don't normally play the lottery. I am an A-type who is slightly frightened by games of chance. However, uh, I did play a scratch card with my boyfriend. It was his first scratch card, I believe, so he's told me. And we won $10. So do you know what we did with that $10? We walked to Popeye's. And we bought a a famous Popeye's chicken sandwich, which I have seen in posters throughout the city It is breaded chicken. There is a hell of a lot of mayonnaise on it. There are two sour pickles. And it is in a bun that is sweet as a cupcake and shiny like the outside of an Easter egg. Was it good? It tasted good. It was fine. Uh, Out of 10, I would give it a 7.5. It was crisp. It tasted very oily. And I felt weird after. I felt a little shameful, but that's my business, not yours. Let's move on. My guest today is Franny McCabe Bennett. 
I want to say once and for all that I absolutely stan a triple barrel name. So I'm very excited to have Franny on the show for those reasons as a baseline. Uh, another fun fact about Franny is that we were born on the same day, not the same year, but on the same day. So we are blood siblings, you might say. We first became friends during the community theater production of the play Amadeus, in which I was so frequently late for my first entrance. I was chorus, so, you know, it's not like it rocked the show. But I was so frequently late that the director assigned someone to wait with me backstage from the top of the show just to make sure that I went on stage. Uh, I, I was 19. I wanted to talk with my friends. I thought we were funnier than the production. I'm sorry. Would I do it again? Possibly. Franny McKay Bennett is a sober bisexual theater artist and administrator. She is an actor, a playwright, a director, a dramaturge, and producer presenting award-winning original work, including her original productions, XOXO, The Relationship Show, Smashes, all capital letters, not to be confused with Smash, the NBC show starring Deborah Messing. These have taken place across North America and Europe because she is a borderless artist. She has created and collaborated on work at such landmark Toronto theatre companies as Buddies in Bad Times and Soul Pepper. Franny also spent four years as a member of the producing team for Toronto's first solo theatre festival, Solo Fest, spelled S-O-U-L-O, do you see what they did there? Eventually taking on the role of artistic producer for both the festival and the company. Franny is a proud alumna, singular, not alumni, of the University of Guelph uh, theatre program, I'm assuming, and a proud dropout of the Conservatory Theatre Actor Training Program at Humber College. I think she's told me this story. Story, and it's funny. I know a lot of very successful performers who dropped out or were kicked out of their theater programs. And to you, I say, congratulations. I encourage all of you to drop out of whatever you're enrolled in currently. And you can tell them I said that. Anyway, uh, a note about this episode before we get to Franny. I use the term poly, referencing polyamorous. I should just use the term polyamorous in its entirety. Poly is a Polynesian community identifier with a different meaning, so I stand corrected. Anyway, please enjoy my wonderful, nostalgic conversation with my former high school classmate, Franny McCabe Bennett. You made me quit. As far as fake memories, I once 100% told someone a story, and halfway through, I was like, this didn't happen to me. This is a scene from Red Dragon, the <gasps> prequel to Silence of the Lambs by Thomas Harris. Okay, that is a big confusion. <laughs> yeah, I mean, granted, it wasn't like a murder scene. Yeah, I was gonna say, what part? When did it tip you off? And you're like, wait, I didn't rip that face off. I never killed all those people. I don't remember having a scalpel. <laughs> the story was, as I told it, I was a little boy on an airplane. I was sitting next to a man who started talking to me. We were eating our TV dinner airplane meals, and he said, "Do you want some of mine?" And then I don't remember the details, but basically, it was him trying to get me to eat a body part because he was the Hannibal Lecter and as the story felt real I was like yeah this man offered me part of his food which was so weird and then as soon as I realized the next part was and he tried to get me to eat a body part I was like this never happened to you 
How do you extract yourself from that story mid-telling? I truly don't know because there's no clean dismount from that. You're like, oh, I'm sorry. That's from a novel about a cannibal. Okay, so where were we? Do you remember at all your coming out to me event? (gasps) No, tell me everything. It was an event to me. I don't know if I've ever told you this, or maybe I did and then we recovered. But at the time, I was like, wow, this like boy is like so nice and funny and smart and really like enjoys my company. And I developed a giant crush that I don't know if I ever addressed with you. I think I didn't. I didn't know. That makes sense because the way that you came out to me, this is so embarrassing for me. Very cute for you. Oh no. So embarrassing. (laughs) You were like, I have a really important thing that I need to tell you at the cast party after the show closes. And I was like, oh "Oh my God, okay. And you were like, yes, I won't discuss it in advance. (laughs) Like it was like a very, it was like a formal thing. And I remember I kept kind of being like, what's it going to be? What's it going to be? Yeah, I really milked that. I apologize for that. (laughs) That's okay. That's okay. But it makes sense in hindsight. So I was like, oh my God, what's it going to be? And we had a mutual friend named Katie. Yes. And I remember talking to Katie and being like, Katie, what what do you think is going on? And she was like, I don't know. I don't know. And we were so confused and curious. And then I think we kept kind of poking you to be like, can you give me a hint? Like, (laughs) trap, like, give me a hint, please. And you're like, okay, fine. The hint shall be. There's no way. I said shall. No, I'm making a joke for Okay, no, this is great. Please But you did say the hint will be confident. You're like, okay, okay. And you seemed a little stressed out. You're like, okay, well, the hint will be that I have a crush on someone. And then I said, well, you have to tell me more. And you're like, no, I can't. And I won't until the cast party. And I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) And then I got another piece of information out from you because I also had, I had had this crush develop at this point because I had never encountered such a gentlemanly, friendly young man. Unpunctual. <laughs> poorly trained actor <laughs> just swept you off your feet absolutely I was I think I was probably like 16 I think I might have been in grade 10 oh yeah because I was I wasn't even 19 yet yes that's right and so I had never met anybody who uh, specifically this is a very gender binary thing of the early 2000s <laughs> I had never met a boy that was that like friendly and nice and wanted to hang out and socialize who wasn't doing that because there was some sort of romantic thing connected to it right so I was like all of this points to the he wants to be my boyfriend like I just can't my brain has no comprehension of any other circumstance and I was not making it easy on you because it sounds like I was like doing a three-act play basically (laughs) anyway go on in hindsight I think it was actually very sweet I feel like I have my my own p like addendum about it I also though was dragging it out like you were like I just want to tell you something in a couple days and I was not able to hold on to that I couldn't stand to wait And so eventually then it's the cast party and you pull me into some room at the, like we were at a rehearsal space that we had been using for the play was the cast party. Yes. And so they had all these different little rehearsal rooms. So you pull me into a rehearsal room and we're like, okay, let's talk about this. And I was like, like heart, a pitter patter. And I do, I do want to set this mood when, if people are picturing a rehearsal hall, this was a storefront in a strip mall off on a service road next to the highway. In the suburbs. In the suburbs. Yes. So, so we are fresh off the heat of this uh, community theater show we go straight back to a dark service road yeah. and carry on yes that's a really great point because a lot of my sense memory includes like paint fumes and like <laughs> corduroy couches lots of fire extinguishers that probably were empty for sure didn't work yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so you're like okay we're gonna talk now I'm like okay and you said I have a crush on someone 
I said, okay. And I can't remember if you volunteered this or I asked, but somehow then the next piece of information was, is it someone we know? Because then I think I thought maybe it's Katie. Oh, so I was I making you guess? I think you did make me guess. Ugh, what a troll. I think you were, <laughs> in hindsight, you're trolling me. I'm sorry. No, don't be sorry. Don't be sorry at all. Okay. It was actually very sweet. Okay, I'm not sorry. Don't be sorry. Don't ever apologize. <laughs> Never apologize. If you remember one thing from this podcast, it's you are right and they're all wrong. Everyone's wrong. <laughs> and so I said, is it someone we know? And you said, yes. And I think I said, is it Katie? And you said, no. I said, okay, is it someone from our high school? And can I tell you, leading up to this, I have no idea who my crush would have been. I'm going to say the name and you can bleep it if you need to. Okay. I said, is it someone at our high school? And you said, yes. And I guessed, I guessed a name and the name I guessed was... Oh, I love... I love... too. And so that's why I thought, oh, it must be. She's perfect in every way. And so I said, is it... And you said, no, but it's someone knows. And I went, oh my gosh, okay. Oh, I think I remember who it is now. Mm -hmm. And I was too terrified to ask if it was me. There was no way I could ever possibly have asked. And it started to become clearer that that was not, this wasn't going to be a big romantic reveal with like a bouquet of flowers or something. (laughs) And so then I said, who who is it? You just have to tell me who it is. And it was... (laughs) Oh my God. Yes, I remember that because he was in our friend group. He was in the friend group. And I was so shocked, like so floored. Really? You had no idea that was coming? Zero percent at all. Completely floored. Was still kind of reeling from like, I don't, I think maybe this isn't going to be me. Like I was that far out of it. Right. Right. And and this is funny because this just shows how much all of our blinkers are on when we're in the theater community because Ruth and I and two of our other friends were essentially in a Spice Girls tribute group. And I didn't read as gay to you. Yeah. Or me. Or I thought I was like, that's just, you know, it's just high school stuff. I do think we have to, in fairness to us, need to remember the time and the place and that that was a Catholic school. That's true. Even though we met in theater, it wasn't a musical. Like there were friends in musical theater that I was like, oh, that's maybe someone who's gay. And I was certainly raised with a very like progressive family like that wasn't going to be a problem. But it just to that point hadn't been something that was part of my reality and certainly not part of my peers at all. Yeah. No way at all. That was when gay was like the biggest insult in the planet. Yeah. It was such a popular phrase. And it was, I used to get into fights with people all the time for using it as a word to mean something was like silly or stupid or whatever. So it it just, we just weren't, at least I for sure wasn't in a space where that was ever going to be on my radar at all. Yeah. So what happened next? So then I faked that I was like very excited for you (laughs) and I started to cry. (laughs) In front of me? Yes. And I think that freaked you out, obviously, because I think you took, you were so careful with it because you were really, I think, nervous to come out. I think you didn't know how it was going to go. Yeah. Like we were friends, but we, we certainly weren't, you know, as close as we are. Well, that would make no sense if we were as close then as we are now because I've known you way longer. That's right. But Bye. like we were we were friends, but we weren't super close, super best friends. We hadn't known each other for longer than a few months. And like, I don't think like we hung out with people as a group, but I don't think we'd ever hung out one on one other than that room. Yeah, I think pretty infrequently. We may or may not have seen Amelie in advance of this. <gasps> yes, I remember, I remember we those. saw Amelie and I remember we saw Billy Elliot. 
at your house, at your apartment, I think. I had you over to my apartment to watch Billy Elliot. I think so, but with another friend. Okay, because I was like, that also to me in retrospect seems like a cry for gay help. (laughs) (laughs) I know, and I didn't put any of these things together at all. But I was probably like, I used the word gay in a pejorative sense at that time too. Probably is like a smoke and mirrors thing of like, I'm not gay because I'm using this awful slur. Yeah. Yeah, no, I get that. I was I was working pretty hard to hide it from you, probably. I think I think so. But then I was genuinely like, oh my God, like that's huge. Like you're trusting me as a friend. Like it was almost like a huge cementing of our friendship, I felt. Yeah. A because it really clearly defined the boundaries, like in a very specific <laughs> like friend versus romance. I was like, oh I know exactly where this goes. But then also like, wow, like what a gift of this information for me like it felt like a huge responsibility almost responsibility for you yeah like I felt and in a good way I was a kid that was like yes teacher here I am like I liked having (laughs) things to be in charge of and so I felt very responsible for like a precious gem like you've given me this very special thing that I need to help take care of and protect because then the next part of our conversation was who else knows can I tell Katie like does that friend group know and then it became part of like I felt like I was in an an inner circle that was very special for me. That well, first of all, I don't know if you can see. I'm I've been smiling for quite a while. I'm in the dark right now. I'm inside a closet. So how ironic. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you're method. I'm very method. Yes. So. I might be editorializing and like placing a memory onto it to try and figure it out. But I remember just thinking like like she doesn't know if she's okay with it yet. But hearing where you were actually at is now in retrospect way funnier for both of us and much more interesting but also i think in coming out stories the how do i want to say this queer people have a a narrative that's more understood or it's almost like they carry more of the burden in the situation Mm. but as someone who dated girls in high school and broke up with those girls and probably didn't come out to them at the same time or even when i did that's a lot of weird baggage you have to carry but then you're also just expected to be like I better not look like I'm not supportive of my now gay boyfriend. So like, I'll just be like, this is great. But you're dealing with your own shit. So and I'm sure I probably steamrolled. Well, I did steamroll over it because I didn't know what you were going through. So I'm sorry you had to do that alone. But I kept it so secretive because I was so shy to have even had a crush. Like at that point, I was so shy about any kind of crushes with anyone. And at the time, I thought I was straight also. Right. And then of course, I wasn't going to tell you because I didn't want to first I didn't want to seem like a dope like oh clearly this isn't about me this is just how people are friends like this is just what friends do friends are nice to each other and like <laughs> spending time and make each other laugh and that's what friends are well. you know I, I just I didn't want you to feel at all uncomfortable or unsafe in any way and I and I didn't I remember that as such a positive experience and and yeah I feel um I rolled that style of coming out out a few times the seed of it was I was really shy and scared and the way I the way that steered the experience was I just tended to draw it out like I really partitioned the coming out too was like individual people all the time I think as a test to be like not feeling sure if it was okay on a big level so just doing the one by ones but also probably as like a nascent actor at that point being like oh my god I get so much attention when I do this So if I do it one by one, I get to do it so many times. (laughs) So I'm sure I did that. Like, I can't remember them because it's, you know, I'm 37 now and this was 20 years ago. But a lot of like, I have something to tell you. 
meet me at the clock tower at 1 a.m. Bring a single daffodil and that's how I'll know it's you. Like, I'm sure I pull that shit constantly. Yeah. And as like, you know, a real Nancy Drew lover, I was like, oh, I'll crack this code. <laughs> oh, man. OK, so I'm tr- I'm trying to stave off going to the main topic. Well, you know what? Let's just do it. We're getting pretty gay and queer already. So this podcast is called You Made Me Queer. We've already talked about how we're both queer and how little we knew at the time. Um, So we did not know the science behind queerdom and how how rife it was and how rampant in the plants and animals of our communities. Yeah, the flora and fauna that we now know. That's right. Like if you pet a cat for too long, if you go wild berry picking and eat too many berries on the way home before you've given them to your mom, we know now that all of these things can make you queer. Mm -hmm. But at the time, no one knew anything. Mm -hmm. But now looking back, the reason why I'm going to do this is To be fair, you came on here guns blazing, and I feel like you've been throwing a lot of blame around from day one. (laughs) I feel attacked. You know, we'll get that out there. Right. But I want to give you an opportunity to blame some more people. Sure. Basically, the people and places and things who made you queer. So Franny McCabe Bennett, who made you queer? I just have to say, I'm so pleased that you pronounced that all correctly. And that just proves <laughs> even further the level of blood sibling that we are. I, I'm here. I stand a triple barrel name. <laughs> oh, gosh. It's such a... I was thinking about this today, and I feel like it's such a fun, but also tricky answer for me because I I already mentioned that I didn't really put the pieces together until I was in university. And I just remember, I remember the feeling of like walking around campus. I went to Guelph, which is so gay. It's so, (laughs) it's hippies and gays. At least it was circa 2003. Maybe all university campuses are like that. I don't know. But Guelph just was so, so, so gay. My idea of Guelph growing up, it was where like, you're too hippie for anywhere else. You go to Guelph and it's, there's artisanal granola before it was a thing. And that kind of stuff. Very liberal. Oh yeah. Very environmentally conscious, like for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, So I remember walking around campus and making friends with some people there who identified as many different things at that time also. And I think the point about the internet is, is really a huge huge one to make. I remember the year that I was in first year, Wikipedia was like becoming a thing to the point where some professors were letting you use Wikipedia as a resource. Like you could cite that in academic essays and papers. Oh, these were early days. So there hadn't been like, it it would not have occurred to me, like the idea of just Google it was not a a thing. Like that just didn't exist in anyone's brains. So it never occurred to me to just do some investigating on my, on my own. And I remember like meeting meeting friends that were identifying as many different things across the, the gender spectrum and learning about what like a gender binary is and all these different things. It just, it completely opened my mind. And I remember walking around campus and seeing women holding hands clearly in romantic relationships and like, you know, Casey after class, whatever, like a kiss, goodbye, whatever, like not like huge things, just being normal partnerships, like just very commonplace. Yeah. And I was like, like, how are they doing that? Like, I don't understand. Like, how are they doing that? Because the idea terrified you? No, I feel like my strongest point in this is a you made me straight story, which is <laughs> when I was in grade, I'm going to say grade six, maybe. I come from a ginormous family with cousins all over the place. And so I used to hang out a lot with some cousins that were three years older. And so I was in grade six, they would have been in grade nine, I guess. Mm-hmm. And they had uh, Seventeen magazine subscriptions. Oh, I know it well. Oh, I loved Seventeen. 
reading, but I wasn't supposed to read it. It was too mature for me. Yes, it's mature. Wasn't it 17 is the kind of stuff like 40 ways to please your boyfriend or something? Like not man because it was too young. No, Cosmo was still the big one that was like the super sexy one. 17 was more like... Was it like YM? Closer to YM, yeah. It would be like top 10 places to get butterfly clips and like (laughs) who's that cutie from the corner store? Like it was was pretty tame. Oh my God. But for my parents, it was still too mature for a 12-year-old. So I would sneak into my cousin's house anytime we had, we were either there visiting or it was like Christmas or whatever. I'd sneak up and read their 17 magazines. And I remember reading, there was this um, section that was like questions. Okay. Like, how do you, how do how I, do, where do I buy butterfly clips? Where do I buy butterfly clips? But those would be more like, my best friend also bought butterfly clips and they look exactly like mine. I'm furious. What do I do? <laughs> it was an advice column. I loved reading the advice column. And I remember reading one once and the question was like, I'm having sexual dreams about my friends, including friends who are girls. Like, what does it mean? What do I do? Like, please help. And the person wrote back, that's very normal. Don't be worried. You know, your hormones are going crazy. You're going to have dreams about all sorts of people. Don't worry about it. Just relax. They gave some this is just a phase bullshit. I don't even know if they meant this is just a phase. But what I guess it was more like just dreams are kooky. Don't worry about dreams. Okay. I think it was more like, don't let your dreams stress you out. I think was the intention, mm-hmm. but clearly also written from a, a straight point of view, because I think a queer writer, or maybe they weren't allowed at that time, because that would have been like 1996. That's a good point. That's just coming out of like AIDS epidemic. Yeah. But if, if it if it were now, like if that was Teen Vogue now, and someone was like, I had a sex dream about my best friend. It's so weird. Ah, I feel embarrassed. What do I do? The person would have been like, yeah, dreams can be nuts. If you think about your friend, like while you're awake or whatever, like here's other things you can think about. If this is just a wacky dream you had, sometimes dreams are wacky. Like it would have included something else. Yes. Like you may also be queer and that's not necessarily what's happening, etc. Yeah, for sure. And so I read that and was like, oh, okay, great. Like that's good to know because that's happening to me. And I, what a relief. Mm. That's good. But also, you know, dreams are wacky. I also remember having dreams about like people that I definitely was not interested in. Yes. It would be people that either I was just like familiar with or someone from TV or things that I knew. I was like, I know I don't have a crush on this person, but in my like grade six spicy dream, dream and be like "Ooh, I'm dancing with somebody and in my head so in the dream I'm like wearing a dress but in my head I know I'm like I'm not wearing any underwear like that was my grade (laughs) six I remember that was one of my first like Ooh, like a spicy like dream. Like sort of a sex dream. <laughs> yeah. I know you're talking about this may be a bit adjacent, but in university, I randomly had a sex dream about a straight friend of mine that I was not attracted to. And it, I was like weird around him for quite a while after because I'm like, did we do it? Does he know? Like, did, am I secretly into him? Yeah. Anyway, so I got it. No, totally. So I was like, oh, good. Okay. So that explains all the like strange dreams, but then also all the dreams. Like I just put everything into like dreams are straight and use that as a baseline that then I don't think this part was in the article. I think I then extrapolated this, but it was like, I was like, okay, hormones are crazy. So you're just going to think weird stuff about everybody all the time. So also not when you're dreaming, probably also that might be why I like, you know, sometimes when I'm sitting with my friend on the couch, I think like, I wonder it'd be like if I kissed her, probably that's just like puberty's wild, right? right. <laughs> like, I just you, really... like no matter what you're next to, like a plant or like yeah. a chicken, you're just like, oh, those hormones. 
and I just want to touch it. <laughs> yes. So I just put everything into that category from such a young age. Mm. And as I mentioned too, like I like rules. I like knowing what the boundaries are. I like knowing how things work and what's supposed to happen. And so it was really easy to just be like, oh, great. That's a rule that exists around this type of feeling. Perfect. Yeah. Goodbye forever. Don't ever have to question that thought again. Perfect. And so I just didn't question anything for so long. But then when I saw these women walking around holding hands, I was like, but don't they know that like, that's just like hormones? <laughs> it's just hormones, ladies. <laughs> like... Eat some protein, have a glass of water, go for a walk. You're not going to want to touch each other. Anymore. Yes. And then it was, I feel like it was also 2001. It was like, or no, 2003. I remember around that time, which is kind of related back to uh, Moulin Rouge too. Like mm. I remember Christina Aguilera was a big thing. And like the, <laughs> the Lady Marmalade song was a big deal. Yes. And like when she did Dirty was a huge thing. Like, Were you a Christina Aguilera luster? Okay. The video for Dirty at the time, I don't know if it was even available to be looked up online. That wasn't anything that I even considered. It didn't yeah. exist in my brain as an option. And so you could only watch it when it was on TV and it came with a warning. It used to have a content warning. It would be like the video that was rated for 14 plus, 18 plus, whatever. And when it would air on much music. So I would have to just wait until it was on TV (laughs) and then watch it. Like late at night. Yeah. So I'd just be waiting, waiting for it to come on and uh, not realizing that like that's interesting. (laughs) That's a bizarre choice to make. Right. Why am I doing this? Mm -hmm. And like just loving, like being so into millennials and being so into all the like the women and the dancers. And I was like, I just love costumes. I just, (laughs) the ruffles are so fascinating. Like uh, Absolutely. That was also very close to when Britney Spears was kind of going through her transformation from like, I'm a perfect virgin, tiny Jesus lady child into slave for you and into like very sexual like so it said it became very trendy for a while for young women to be super overtly sexual yes and for maybe our younger listeners compare this to like a justin bieber hannah montana situation where you become famous as a really like cartoon-esque celebrity and then you turn 18 or 19 and you're like "Mm, i just want to look hot but in those times especially you had to like really break out of that mold yeah and that was also because the internet was really starting to develop and paparazzi were becoming a thing more than ever before Mm. and you know, websites that were starting to be like gossip magazine type websites were really, really becoming a big deal. And people were just paying a lot more attention. Yeah. It wasn't just like little tabloid papers that are by the cash register when you're buying, you know, chocolate bars. Yeah, you didn't have to get 17 anymore. Like there was a whole new media empire exploding. Yes, yes. So that became a thing. And I also remember it. Now, maybe this is something that happens like all the time, or I don't know if this was like generational and specific to that time, but I remember in my first year of university, which was 2003, that it was like very trendy and very unique and kind of quirky and like really like brave and adventurous of girls to be like, I don't care what anybody says, girls are hot. I just think (laughs) girls are hot. And like that became like this really weird thing where I I remember so clearly my first week of university, a couple of girls in my residence where I was living, like a whole group of us were all going out 
mixed gender group of people. And a couple of the girls were like, I remember one girl specifically said, just so people know, when I get drunk, I dirty dance with girls. And all these girls are like, oh my God, sit away, sit away, sit away. And I was like, what? Like, what's happening? I like that just so people know. So get ready. Yes! Like, was it because I'm coming for you was the subtext? I don't know. Mm. It was the first, within the first couple of days of university. So there was a lot of, I really need to make my personality clear. Yes. Everybody has a hundred, literally a hundred new names to learn. Yes. So it's like the opening credits of a teen TV show where you're like, I need in 30 seconds, I need to know your name, what you're about, what your style is, what kind of music you like. Like it felt like everyone was like pitching themselves that whole week of like, I'm the girl who's like this. I'm the boy who's like that. Yes. When they're like, hi, I'm Monica. I'm from Etobicoke. I'm a sandwich artist and I've got to get the guy. Yes. And so this girl was like, "Ah, I'm from Port Hope. A fun fact about me is that when I drink, I dirty dance with girls. It was very much like that. And I was like, whoa. And I remember that that became a really intense thing. For me, it was quite like shocking. Like all these things were shocking. I was like, because I was thinking, but we know all this. We just don't talk about it. Like it was like a secret society was letting all the secrets out. And I was like, why are they doing this? And what are they getting out of it? Like, why is this girl telling people that she's going to dirty dance with them. Like, isn't she scared of being judged? Isn't she scared of being called names? But was this in the era before Katy Perry... Uh, the I kissed a girl madness where the idea where it's like I dirty dance with girls and I kiss girls yeah. but I've still got my boyfriend and this is just for attention yeah that song came out uh, I think three or four years later okay so this was the dark ages it was the dark ages but also I think that's a great point because that song was absolutely in the zeitgeist like there was this cultural thing where girls were like I actually really like going to strippers because girls bodies are beautiful and anyone who denies it is stupid like so for a while that also reinforced that I was like well these girls that are saying that and that are like they're even like dirty dancing with girls which is something I've never done but they still have boyfriends and they're not dating these girls like it just was like this is just something that straight women do all the time like those damn hormones they don't go away yes so it it was very confusing until I finally admitted I think I was in my third year of university I was like fully in love with one of my best friends who was a girl and I was like just like this is so undeniable yeah I can't be in the same room with her anymore because I know that that's not the kind of relationship she wants, but I just want to like, you know, brush her hair all the time. And <laughs> and because we're like, we're best friends. So she as like, you know, straight platonic close friendship yes. was like, yeah, like let's have sleepovers, brush my hair, da, da, da. And then I was like, oh no, I, something's going on because she's asking to do friend stuff and I'm having extra feelings around it. And I need to like recognize it. When you're like brushing the hair and you like just clip out a lid, a lock of it secretly. (laughs) She's going to (laughs) notice that I'm casting spells with all the locks of hair that I'm cutting off her head. Hexes for love. (laughs) You thought she was straight though. That friend was straight. Is straight, was straight. Oh, her loss, girl. (laughs) (laughs) Once I put the pieces together and kind of worked through it and I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to end up with this person I just have to work through this crash and it's fine and then I told her about it yeah and she was very sweet and she was very flattered and she was actually quite like oh like that's so kind like what a Guelph response yeah 
was. She did. She thought I was like very kind. And we had a bunch of like friends in that group that were really smart, funny, lovely, attractive women. So there's also part of her that was kind of like me, like of everybody. You picked me. <laughs> and I was like, I, I don't know. Yeah, I guess. Like, yeah. I love it. Once I came out, I was like, so out. I was like, okay, I'm, I gotta go for this. There's no reason to, why can't I be holding hands with these people? Like if I want to hold hands with a girl and I want to date a girl and I want to kiss a girl and I want to have a girlfriend, the only thing stopping me from that is me. Like I'm the only one in the way. And so we enter into Franny's dirty face. I like Christina Aguilera. (laughs) Assless chaps in a boxing <laughs> ring in a mud pit. Oh my god. Guelph definitely was though, once I came out, for sure the most dating success I've ever had in my entire life, or will ever have again. It was Well, it's it's easy when it's a potted community like that, because it's like the parameters are so strict. Mm-hmm. And we didn't have apps or anything. So it's like, this is my pool. Yeah, that's true. In my case, unfortunately, I worked through the pool a little too quickly. <laughs> what are you gonna do? So wait, so to summarize, yeah, she made you queer? <sighs> She made me realize. Okay. She made it undeniable. Oh. Like, she made it obvious. Yeah. Like, she made me, like, capital Q, queer in lights. (laughs) Because that's (laughs) when you knew this isn't, these aren't hormones, this is not a phase. Yeah. This is me for keeps. Yeah. And how do you identify now? I identify as bisexual or pansexual. I always say I I just, I date cute people and I find a lot of people cute. Yeah. (laughs) Lots of different folks. So, like, the Mandarin buffet approach to sexuality. (laughs) Yes, which is apt because I'm also deathly allergic to seafood. So I have to really pick and choose. And I've had some scares. I've had some scares. Yes, I do know this because Franny visited me in Japan, which listeners may or may not know features seafood in its regional cuisine. Mm. Well, we had a lot of brushes with death, but (laughs) this is not a contagious disease podcast. So that's not coming up. No. Okay, I get it. Okay, so this is great. So then was it doubly hard for you being someone who now identifies as bisexual and poly that because in the 90s, we were handed kind of this dichotomy of like you're straight or you're, you like your gender. Those are the only two options. The third box is you're going into like the monastery. So like you had to kind of like do a lot of heavy lifting on your own. Yeah, I did. I really became, as is my want, uh, once I was out, I really became quite vocal and quite an advocate. And I still am, I think. I have a solo show that's just about being bisexual and coming out. And I did really feel like I was... Like, on the one hand, it was such a relief. And I really was into the label of bisexual, which I was glad because when I first kind of figured out that terminology through whatever resource that was, it was introduced to me immediately as this is not about gender binary, Mm -hmm. because bisexual, gender binary, there's a language thing that people get hung up on, which I can understand. It it makes logical sense. But just, you know, the historical perspective, bisexual has always been, it's more, as opposed to bi meaning two, it's more uh, bi versus mono. Like monosexual is somebody who dates the same gender, like one type of gender, and a bisexual person dates multiple genders. So I was glad that I never had to wrestle with that. It was just like, oh, if you are interested in multiple genders, or some people define it your gender and other genders or whatever. There's a couple different versions. Mm-hmm. But it was never an exclusionary thing against trans folks or non-binary folks. I just always like to make sure that that's really clear. Right, right. With that language. But um, but yeah, I remember like reading stuff and having queer friends and was like, oh, good. But there really still wasn't any representation of what bisexuality was. That's why it took me so long to put it together because there was nothing out there. And it makes sense, too, that you had, had to double down. I mean, maybe it's just your personality 
as well, but like to double down on being vocal and becoming an advocate for yourself because now you're like, oh my God, I finally figured it out. It's not just about hairbrushing. It's like, it's all these other things too. And then you really had to kind of like put your foot down because I think too, I think we were sort of instructed at that time, that especially for women, that it was like, yeah, like 17, that it's like a phase you go yeah. through. Bi is like a limbo between being heterosexual and homosexual, and you can't limbo forever, girl. Oh, yeah. There were people when I started coming out, which I did the same thing of choosing individuals. I was quite direct with it, but I did do single kind of things once I started coming out more formally. Mm-hmm. My friends at university were with me through that whole journey, so I didn't really have to like come out there very much but then when I would come back to Oakville talking to my family or parents or friends I'd grown up with all that jazz I was really specific with people and I was so self-conscious about it because at the time yeah bisexuality had a really bad rap it there was a whole episode of sex in the city which was like everyone's guide to women and sex at the time I've said this before and I'll say it again four white women who refused to take public transit are role (laughs) models in the 90s it's so wild to look back it's that show has not aged well and I don't think that it actually was that current like even when it was very cutting edge I feel like it was not the most current information that could have been shared yes but there was a whole thing in that where there was a big punchline where they were saying that what like the protagonist the main person was saying that bisexuality is a she compared it to a train ride and that it's a it's a stop on the way to gay town because one of the women was interested in a bisexual guy and they're all like oh don't and bisexual men pansexual men still okay this isn't as fun or funny (laughs) this is more like a political statement but and before we go to that I do just want to say I love the image of all the bisexual people just living on a train that is in constant motion and I want to be on that train having a great party yeah it would be great it would be super fun everyone would be exhausted totally tired that's true yeah the byline (laughs) the byline (laughs) I was just gonna say that um about men and bisexuality and and women in bisexuality non-binary people don't even exist in the societal view of what bisexuality can be Hmm. they exist in real life of course but when the average you know straight person thinks about bisexuality they don't even consider that a non-binary bisexual person can exist yeah because the pressures around it it makes women hypersexual like a bisexual woman is suddenly hypersexual yes like treated as a carnivore. Absolutely. And a bisexual man is either completely a fantasy or just gay. Right. Like there's something about it that it's still like it's a gay man in disguise or it's like kind of icky or I remember there was a storyline in Seinfeld as well that uh, Elaine was trying to date. No, he wasn't bisexual in the show. He was a gay man and out like or he wasn't out. She was his beard. She was his like cover story. Yes. But she started to kind of fall for him and her big argument that she was like, but I know he'll never be with me because and because it was a, a network show, they couldn't be very explicit with sexuality. So they would use a baseball metaphor. But she said, I don't have access to the equipment as well as he does or any man he could ever date Mm -hmm. and it was very focused on genitals and and sexuality and that if you don't have experience with that kind of thing then there's this bizarro thing where like a bisexual man isn't is only actually looking for men but then also bisexual men don't exist and then also it's gross and weird and like just all these bizarro myths and that bisexual women though are super sexual and are always up for anything and if you're you mentioned before I also do identify as polyamorous Mm -hmm. if you're a polyamorous bisexual women people their minds explode because they're just like oh you just must be like having sex all the time with everybody you've ever met in your life and you're like hot shut shut that's right (laughs) and the the core of that thing about the 
view of bisexual women and the view of bisexual men and the non-existence of bisexual non-binary people is still just the patriarchy. It's just the focus that men are the center of the universe. Yeah. So yeah. of course, like women and, and so, not all, but some lesbian women can be really biphobic about bisexual women because they're terrified that they're going to leave them for a man and that bisexual men are secretly gay. It's this whole thing that men have constructed that are like men are the core of everything. Well, yes. So everyone's secretly pointing at men, which is just goofy men wish also and it's such a, a supreme bummer that we now i think talk about pretty openly in the queer community of the gay liberation movement in that it included all these people all along the way but unfortunately it was like largely white gay men who like kind of got the first hall pass or permission slip and as soon as they got in they were like we're cool this movement is kind of over and like please don't complicate it by also bringing like lesbians and trans folk in because we don't we just got permission from the white hetero is to come to the party so please it's very confusing so unfortunately we are still having to do so much uh, learning and teaching and work yeah. for such an enormous part of our queer community yeah yeah it's a bummer so get with it people yeah we got wikipedia that wake up sheeple <laughs> Uh, so before I do let you go, and I don't want to, would you like to play a game? <gasps> of course. Oh, great. Okay. So this game is called Queer, Queerer, Queerist. I'm going to give you three things. You have to put them in order from least queer to most queer. Okay. As a theater person, you'll understand for dramatic purposes, you'll probably want to start with least queer. Some people have a tendency to start with most queer, and I'm like, guys. Build the suspense. Build the suspense. The first thing, seasonal lawn ornaments. The second thing performative water skiing, like uh, people standing in triangles, that sort of situation, going over ramps. Yeah. The third and final thing, flash mob engagements. Oh. So least queer to most queer, seasonal lawn ornaments, performative water skiing, flash mob engagements. And why? Okay, for sure, flash mob engagements, least queer. Oh. I think I have only ever seen... Oh, but that I mean, I was about to say from like straight couples, but then right away. And as someone who advocates for like bi visibility, I guess I don't know who else those people have dated and I can't <laughs> assume they're cis or whatever. But I feel like it's a lot of like, I don't know, it just feels like super straight people shit to me. <laughs> um, <laughs> Are you being, is that code for basic? <laughs> <laughs> and then second, I think would be performative water skiing. Mm -hmm. There's something about it that's very showy and elaborate and to me that always <laughs> makes me think of queerness <laughs> in the most complimentary way as an I should clarify I'm like an this actor. is how I would this is how I would come out yes yes a yeah I'm yeah. like Franny meet me at 8 p.m and I need you to put on water skis mm -hmm. and be in a bathing suit yeah and I'm also imagining this might also just be the vision that I have of these water skiing troupe which is that it's <laughs> like troop. uh mo like men in rainbow different uh little like speedos and they're building a pyramid that spells like hi I'm gay oh, <laughs> like, I, love I feel that. like that's also what my vision was that would take a lot of people though yeah it would this is like this should be like a wide lake we're doing this performance it, it would be a big lake and I feel like it would be I did describe them as a troop and I'm imagining that it's like I know a lot of people that are in like a gay wreck dodgeball league. I'm imagining there's like a gay wreck performative water skiing league that exists somewhere. It's funny because I picture them as uh, women in one piece bathing suits wearing bathing caps. So like it's a very like Mad Men era. We've gone to like the cat skills for the weekend. Kind right. Of thing. But that to me reads as super gay. <laughs> Do you know what? Yeah. Especially because it's very dirty dancing with water skiing, which is way queer. Oh, how great would that be? Dirty skiing. <laughs> Just so you know, when I get drunk, I dirty water ski with <laughs> girls. 
Get your skis, girls. I'm wasted. Okay, so that leaves the queerest, which is... Seasonal lawn ornaments. All right, talk me through it. Okay, that might just be because that's the thing that I can relate to the most for myself as an individual. (laughs) But I really love, like, I love a classic flamingo in a lawn. Like, in the summer, I really think that any type of, like, when a home has a really clear mise-en-scene, I think, is a strong statement. Oh, excuse you. That (laughs) mise-en-scene. Yeah. I'm, I'm here for it. So, according to Franny, we have least queer... Flash mob engagements, yeah. Middle queer performed a water skiing, queerest seasonal lawn ornaments. So all you queer bows who are listening, uh, get those lawns ready. Yeah, I look for a lawn ornament. Yeah, I do too. It's like uh, it's like the candle in the window. It's how you know. It's like the neighborhood watch sign. Yes, that's right. Block parents. Are yes, queer block parents. Block parent. Yeah, that's right. If you have like a festive sort of wintry gnome on your lawn, mm-hmm. that's a safe space for me. Yeah, I'm assuming that in June there's a little rainbow flag that comes out all the seasons an easter bunny which is queer yeah saint patrick mm-hmm. all irish people are queer so that's sorted also a lot of queer folk and certainly i did uh use saint patrick's day and drinking in general as a perfect little hat to wear of like well i don't even know i don't remember i don't even know i, don't I kissed know. you i thought you were someone of the gender i'm supposed to be attracted to sorry it's just because those boys were watching uh, i'm 19 <laughs> Well, listen, this has been a true pleasure. There are not a lot of people I would crawl into the bottom of not even my own closet for, but I do it for you in a second. There's very few people I would fly 24 hours in a row to hang out with. (laughs) You did. Franny came to visit me. I gave Franny a disease. Which disease? Tune in next time to find out. (laughs) I can guarantee it's not whatever thought just went into everyone's head. It wasn't that. It's not that one. It's not that one. The next one you're thinking of, it's that one. Yeah. It's the second one. Uh, Franny, before I let you go, what you want to plug? I'll plug my Instagram. It's at Franny underscore M like Mary, C like cat, B like boy, at Franny underscore MCB. Uh, If I've got performance stuff happening, that's where I'll post it. And if I don't have performance stuff happening, you can look at my latest knitting project. Oh, God. Yeah, get on that gram. Uh, So, Franny, all these things made you queer. I want you to know that this conversation has made me even queerer. So thank you so much for coming. Oh, what a gift to us both then. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Okay, thank you so much, Franny. And if you are one of those super curious folks and you want to know which disease I gave to Franny... Why not write me and let me know? You made me queer at gmail.com, subject line, which disease? How about that? That's fun, huh? Okay, another note, this will be our last Monday episode of You Made Me Queer. From this point on, we are moving to once a week, just a big old Thursday drop. Why? Two episodes a week is a lot to do when you are a one-person podcast factory. How about that? How about that? Why don't you lay off and give me a little bit of space just to be me, okay? Plus, I've got that extra hour of sunlight. I want to be outside for it. It's fine. I shouldn't have yelled. Come here. Hug me. Okay, as always, you can send in any questions, comments, concerns, queer origin stories too. You made me queer at gmail.com. If you liked this podcast, and why wouldn't you listen to these maple syrup tones, please rate, review, and subscribe. It matters more than you or I know, it will be helpful. So I've heard. Okay, 
Cue credits. You Made Me Queer is created, produced, and edited by me, Trevor Campbell. Our theme song is by Critty. For more from music, check out lavenderbruisers.bandcamp.com. Our website is youmademequeer.com. Our Instagram handle is at youmademequeer. New episodes of You Made Me Queer come out every Thursday. Just Thursday, I just told you why. Did you already forget? What are we going to do about your memory? Okay, until next time, remember, we're here, we're queer, and it's your fault. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.